This is the Comstock Report podcast. We are strong advocates for the American family farm and your top source for the agriculture markets. And now, here's your host, David Cruz. This is David Cruz with the Comstock Report. South America is a very long continent with crop production spread out over much of the length. The drought is regionalized, hitting northeast Brazil and Argentina harder than others. The drought in South America is regionalized, hitting northeast Brazil and Argentina harder than others. Some places in Brazil will still produce well. Brazil has soil types that need consistent rains, as unlike our Corn Belt, their soils do not hold water well and dry out quickly. This La Nina has brought unusually dry conditions to the Mato Grosso, which produces soybeans equal to Iowa and Illinois combined. Forecasts move around for regions of South America, but someplace always is still coming up short. South America is out of old crop corn until the next harvest. They do not plant the second crop corn in Brazil until they harvest soybeans. It makes up two-thirds of Brazil's corn production and appears to be at risk from a number of factors. The USDA will have a very complicated set of export fundamentals to interpret for us in the January balance sheets. The world is coming for more U.S. corn and soybean supply than those balance sheets have factored in currently. The U.S. corn carrier could shrink to near pipeline supply, and soybean stocks frankly could go negative on paper, requiring some imports before our next harvest. Soybeans may bring historically record prices coming off the combine early harvest. Strong rallies will encounter profit-taking, but breaks will also be supported. I expect that there is some cash corn for sale near $5 a bushel and cash soybeans for sale near 13 if the market can push those levels adjusted for basis. I would not talk anyone out of making sales at those prices. It is an uncertain world. Yet I think that there's still much more that needs to get sorted out that requires more work relative to price rationing. I think that about the last thing that anyone in Washington is worried about at the moment is RFS policy. We have a new Congress, and we will soon have a new president. It will be Biden ethanol policy from now on. The Federal Register issued a consent decree giving EPA until February 19th to decide on pending SRE exemptions. Biden gave the industry the strong impression that we were done with small refinery exemptions, but then again so did Donald J. Trump when first elected. The EPA also missed the December 31st deadline to set biometric targets for 2021 without explanation. It is hard for refiners to meet RFS obligations when they're not told what they are. RINs were trading higher at 79 cents, according to Reuters. That is much higher than the dime that Ted Cruz wanted to set RIN values. He's still working for the petroleum industry, challenging the Electoral College. On the cattle. Whenever the charts start to look constructive, it has been time to duck in the cattle market. The good side is that when they look bearish, there has been little follow-through that direction either. Rallies were rejected again at overhead resistance. However, the selling was exhausted just as quickly. $6 cash corn in Texas took the wind out of the feeder cattle market sales. This is normally a good time for beef demand as the restaurant trade warms up during the winter. As noted, the dining restaurant trade is not doing so hot. Consumers are cooking beef at home. I fired up the grill Sunday and again last night. The problem for the feedlot industry has been their inability to get what cattle are worth is determined by the beef market. Historically, Cattle Facts says that feedlots used to get 54 to 58% of the value of the beef composite for their cattle. 
That has been declining in recent years as the industry expanded numbers of production but not kill capacity, so that it has been 43% in 2020. That is when the packing industry found out that they could price beef higher yet buy cattle lower after plant fires and during pandemics. Consumer demand and the price of beef has held up fine. The problem is that feedlot leverage weakened to the point that lacks relevance to the price of cattle. On hogs, the CME group tracks the carcass weights of packer-owned hogs versus those that they buy, and there is a significant difference. Producer hog carcasses at year's end weighed 216 pounds versus packer-owned hog carcasses that weighed 226, a huge $10 a pound difference. They are obviously killing producer hogs first, I would be surprised that that somehow turned out bearish. They think that they can buy hogs cheap enough and will wait to kill their own when producer hogs get more expensive. Higher feed costs should eventually bring all hog weights down. You've been listening to the Comstock Report. For more information on marketing opportunities, contact us at Comstock.com or call 712-227-1110. For a more complete version of the Comstock Report with hedging strategies and trade recommendations, subscribe on our website at Comstock.com or reach out to one of our risk management specialists about how we can help you protect your profits.